Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. We're in 2 Nephi 4 today. We talked about uh, Joseph, Lehi's son's blessing last time. I find it interesting, though, that Nephi tells us about everyone's blessing, but he doesn't tell us about his. And we will see Sam's at the end of today. But Lehi now turns his attention to his grandchildren. Knowing what he has seen in vision regarding Laman and Lemuel, he now calls Laman and Lemuel's kids to him to admonish them to listen carefully to what he has to say. First Laman and then Lemuel's kids. He leaves both grandkids pretty much the same blessing. First, he gives them a warning to keep, please keep the commandments. He tells them if they will keep the commandments that the Lord promises that they'll prosper. But if not, they'll be cut off from his presence. I've often thought about that phrase, that he'll, they'll be cut off or we will be cut off from my presence. I'm sure the Lord doesn't say, well, Laman's kids didn't keep my commandments, so let's write them off. No, I think that coming off that great lesson about agency, we see that when we do not keep the commandments, we cut ourselves off from the presence of the Lord. It's our choice to cut ourselves off from God's help and his spirit. We have to take responsibility for that part that we play in that. But Lehi tells him, if you're brought up the way you should go, then I know you'll follow it all of your life. It's similar to Proverbs 22.6, right? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I'm sure he's thinking that if someone does not teach them the way they should go, then that cursing will be on their parents. We know Lehi tried to teach the kids the importance of the scriptures and what he saw in vision. He was not just a visionary man while in the wilderness. He also had visions always. It's what caused him to leave Jerusalem. So we figure he had always tried to teach his children the right way. And we too will be held responsible if we are negligent in teaching our children the things of God. Doctrine and Covenant 68.25 says, And again, inasmuch as parents have children in Zion or in any of her stakes which are organized that teach them not to understand the doctrine of repentance, faith in Christ, the Son of the living God, and of baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, when eight years old, the sin be upon the heads of the parents. So President Gordon B. Hinckley said, A nation will rise no higher than the strength of its homes. If you want to reform a nation, you begin with families, with parents who teach their children principles and values that are positive and affirmative and will lead them to worthwhile endeavors. That's the basic failure that has taken place in America. Parents have no greater responsibility in this world than the bringing up of their children in the right way. That was... Um, from Ensign in 1996. And one more from Spencer W. Kimball. He said, though the parents are not always charged with the failures of their children, we're sure that many times the failures of the children could be charged to the parents. We realize that there are times when belligerent sons and daughters may draw upon themselves the condemnation, having totally ignored and failed all the teachings that have been giving, given them. But we, the parents, cannot escape the responsibility that is ours of training our children. As we think of these young people who rebel against their parents in society, we wonder, have you held your family prayers with regularity? Do you have your family home evenings regularly? Are your children taught to be faithful and true? Most parents protect their children with shelter for their comfort, tender care, and medicine for their illnesses, clothes for their looks and comfort, and food for their taste and growth. But what do they do for their souls? That was um, in a Tokyo area conference report that President Kimball said that. So as a parent, I can't help but look back and wonder if I had done everything I should have to help my children understand the doctrines of the gospel. 
it's always something one thinks about. But Lehi does give his grandchildren a blessing and some hope. He says that because of this specific blessing, blessing he's giving them, that the Lord will be merciful to them and they will not be utterly destroyed. Next, then, he gives um, blessing to the sons of Ishmael and their children. We don't have a written word of what that blessing was, but I imagine it was some of the same of Laman and Lemuel's. Now he goes on to Sam, and this is in verse 11. And after he had made an end of speaking unto them, he spake unto Sam, saying, Blessed art thou and thy seed, for thou shalt inherit the land like unto thy brother Nephi, and thy seed shall be numbered with his seed, and thou shalt be even like unto thy brother, and thy seed like unto his seed, and thou shalt be blessed in all thy days. So it's interesting that down the road, when everyone divides up into tribes or groups or families, that they're called by their respective heads, Nephites, Lamanites, Lemuelites, Ishmaelites, Josephites, Jacobites, but we never hear of Samites. Someone else said that he combined Sam's share of the inheritance with Nephi because he had to give Nephi and Laman a double portion because Nephi would now have to care for his mother. And so he combined Sam's and Nephi's. Because Lehi blesses him to be with Nephi all of his days, and it says, Thy seed shall be numbered with his seed. Sam and his descendants will be Nephites. Now Lehi dies and is buried. We don't know how old Lehi was when he died. We don't really even know how old he was when he left Jerusalem. But we do know that 30 years has gone by since they left Jerusalem. So it's probably around 575 B.C. But Lehi has barely been put in the ground when chaos ensues. As is normal, now the brothers and the sons of Ishmael are angry, and Nephi becomes the object of their wrath because of what Lehi said. And I'm sure Nephi expected it. This is a scene we've seen played out many times, even while Lehi's alive. I'm sure it was hard to listen to younger brothers be blessed with such beautiful, wonderful blessings of great things that will happen to them and their descendants. And I'm sure many of the older children, even today, might say, wait a minute, what about us big kids? But Lehi saw the future of his older sons and had been warning them for 30 years of the outcome if they did not repent, and he had not seen much movement in that regard. Their behavior had not changed in 30 years. As a parent, you never give up on your children, and his blessing was one of hope for the descendants of Laman and Lemuel. I read a quote by S. Michael Wilcox that said, perhaps the most tragic consequences of thinking it's my life and I'm only hurting myself are those that fall upon our families, especially our children and grandchildren. I believe that the most important lesson taught by Laman and Lemuel centers on their descendants. It's important when we make decisions that we see how those actions will affect not only those around us, but also the unborn generations that have yet to experience mortal probation. We may be choosing for them, In the case of Laman and Lemuel, their choice of resistance to the Lord's will lasted through 500 years of their descendants. They made a choice for hundreds of thousands. They might have said, it's my life and I'm only hurting myself, but they believed in a lie, one of the greatest lies of mankind. That was S. Michael Wilcox. So what comes next is probably one of the most beautiful passages of 2 Nephi. It's similar to some of the Psalms of David. What is interesting about it is that Nephi gives us a glimpse into his own soul and the different emotions he's feeling right now. In spite of all he's witnessed at the hand of the Lord and all he has been given by God, he still struggles with feelings of weakness. 
I'm sure that now that he, he not only feels grief over his father's death and the anguish and sorrow he feels, but also sort of, sort of tired of the mistreatment by his brothers. But he also feels this great responsibility of being the prophet now and the leader of the family, and I'm sure he wonders if he's up to the challenge. But also the love he feels for the Lord and the scriptures. They're what soothes his soul, he says. When the Lord told Nephi to make a separate record, Nephi then tells us that this record was more personal. It contained the things of his soul. And we see that most in this chapter of 2 Nephi. So let's take a listen. This is starting in verse 15. And upon these I write the things of my soul, and many of the scriptures which are engraven upon the plates of brass. For my soul delighteth in the scriptures, and my heart pondereth them, and writeth them for the learning and the profit of my children. Behold, my soul delighteth in the things of the Lord, and my heart pondereth continually upon the things which I have seen and heard. Nevertheless, notwithstanding the great goodness of the Lord in showing me his great and marvelous works, my heart exclaimeth, O wretched man that I am! Yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh, my soul grieveth because of my iniquities. I am encompassed about because of the temptations and the sins which so do easily beset me. What do you say, suppose some of those are? Well, he tells us in verses 27 through 29, so we're going to skip ahead just for these, and I'll have to go back and read them again when we get to the end. But this is what he says. I'm going to pick just parts of it. And why should I yield to sin because of my flesh? Why should I give way to temptations that the evil one have place in my heart to destroy my peace and afflict my soul? Why am I angry because of mine enemy? And in 28, he says, give no more, give place no more for the enemy of my soul. And in 29, he says, do not anger again because of mine enemies. Do not slacken my strength because of mine afflictions. He's angry because of his enemies and the afflictions he's been through and continue to go through. And for him, that's a weakness. That's a terrible weakness. Maybe some of that is his brothers. I'm sure it is who obviously hate him. And some of that because of Satan, who is our enemy. He looks at it as a weakness he's struggling with. I think anyone who is called to a calling of responsibility realizes their own weaknesses, but they count on the Lord to make up the difference between what they are and what he needs them to be. I remember hearing a young man thinking about going on a mission, and he was talking to me, and he said, I'm not sure I can do that. Maybe the Lord has no place to send me. Maybe no one will listen to me. Maybe I'll not get any baptisms. When we wonder if we can do something, Nephi gives us the key right here in verse 19 and 20. Um, and when I desire to rejoice, my heart groaneth because of my sins. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. My God hath been my support. He hath led me through mine afflictions in the wilderness, and he hath preserved me upon the waters of the great deep. He hath filled me with his love, even unto the consuming of my flesh, and he hath confounded my enemies unto the causing of them to quake before me. Now he says, if I've seen all these wonderful things, why should I be sad? Why should I be angry at my enemies? When I was younger, I felt sad, and I, and I felt sad. My mother would say, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I hated it then, but I see the wisdom in it as I'm older. Because Nephi now picks himself up by his bootstraps and says, come on, Nephi, get it together. I've languished in sorrow long enough. Time to get on with living and let's make a plan. And so he asks the Lord for help. And here it is. In verse 28, awake, O my soul, no longer droop in sin. Rejoice, O my heart, and give place no more for the enemy of my soul. Do not anger again because of mine enemies. Do not slacken my strength because of mine afflictions. Rejoice, O my heart, and cry unto the Lord and say, O Lord, I will praise thee forever. Yea, my soul will rejoice in thee, my God and the rock of my salvation. O Lord, wilt thou redeem my soul? 
Wilt thou deliver me out of the hands of mine enemies? Wilt thou make me that I may shake at the appearance of sin? May the gates of hell be shut continually before me, because that my heart is broken and my spirit is contrite. O Lord, wilt thou not shut the gates of thy righteousness before me, that I may walk in the path of the low valley, that I may be strict in the plain road? O Lord, wilt thou encircle me around in the robe of thy righteousness? O Lord, wilt thou make a way for me for mine escape before mine enemies? Wilt thou make my path straight before me? Wilt thou not place a stumbling block in block in my way, but that thou wouldst clear my way before me and hedge not up my way, but the ways of mine enemy. O Lord, I have trusted in thee and I will trust in thee forever. I will not put my trust in the arm of flesh, for I know that cursed is he that putteth his trust in the arm of flesh. Yea, cursed is he that putteth his trust in man or maketh flesh his arm. Yea, I know that God will give liberally to him that asketh. Yea, my God will give me if I ask not amiss. Therefore, I will lift up my voice unto thee. Yea, I cry unto thee, O my God, the rock of my righteousness. Behold, my voice shall ascend, forever ascend, up unto thee, my rock and my everlasting God. Amen. Even though we have seen nothing but steadfastness with Nephi, he knew that he had some weaknesses, but he also knew how he could overcome them. What did you see him do to overcome them? He prayed asking the Lord for help with those things that Paul referred to as thorns in the flesh. Many times those thorns are only something we can see, but we know we need to help. We need help to overcome them. Asking the Lord is the way to do that. I remember years ago asking the Lord to help me with my anger about someone who hurt me pretty badly. The fix was not immediate. He did not say, okay, boom, it'll be gone. Instead, he gave me situations and opportunities to teach me how to overcome my anger myself and make that weakness a strength. So, until next time, 